Awesome. Well, hey, listen, uh, thanks for going through this experiment with us. We wanted to see what it would feel like if we were all under one roof for one service together. And we'll be doing this through this entire series. Now, this first week was super exciting, which is awesome. Uh, as the weeks go on, though, and you think, oh, I had to park a block and a half. That's when the challenge is really going to come. So I, just to lead by example, I parked three blocks away, okay? And I walked down the street and almost got hit by a car. That's what I went through to get here, okay? And I got here really, really early. So, uh, so thanks for doing that. Each week, you're going to have to fight for that, and we're going to just uh, have this go for as long as we can and see what we can do, but it's really fun. And uh, let me just tell you as what we talk about a lot as a staff and as a leadership group is that everything you do like this type of thing is an act of worship. So the fact that you got up, that you got dressed, and that you got here, the worship wasn't just that last song we sang, which was awesome. Wasn't that last song great? I loved it. Uh, it wasn't, it's not just that. It's every act we do in order to meet God and to be with each other is an act of worship. And so thank you very much for doing that and for fighting the crowds, and uh, what, just so you kind of know some of the um, vision behind what's going on in the future, in the next couple weeks, we'll also have the fellowship hall will be furnished, and if there's any overflow, or if you get into a conversation and can't make it into the sanctuary, you can hear everything in there, so we'll be, we'll having, uh, we'll have that go. The other thing is, at 9.30 is when the sanctuary shuts down. So if you're going through a week and you're just like, man, I want to get to church early and I just want to have some time to pray, one of the great things that we can do with just one service is open up the sanctuary. So from 9.30 to 10, we'll just have some worship music playing in the back and you can come and sit and just kind of decompress a little bit because sometimes it's like you get to church and everything's crazy and the kids and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, we're glad you're here. Thank you very much. If you are new, we're especially glad you're here and you get to kick off this new series with us called Climb. Uh, I went on two trips in the last two weeks. One, I went to Arizona to visit my daughter at Grand Canyon University, and, uh, and I just got back last night from Joshua Tree with my son. We went uh, camping. Now, every time you go on a trip, you have expectations, okay? Like every time, like, like just by a show of hands, who's, who already knows where they're going on vacation this summer? Let me just see what you got. Okay, wow. Man, you guys are really procrastinators, okay? But for those of you who did, okay, you already have in your mind a vision for how this journey is going to be, right? So we went to uh, Arizona to visit my daughter, and I had an expectation of how long it would take, how much traffic there'd be, which restaurants we were going to go to, what her friends were going to be like, what the campus was going to be like, and would they win their basketball game, okay? And so those were my expectations in going. Now, you don't have to be around long enough to know that very rarely are our expectations met, right? And so we wanted to go to this, these different restaurants and stuff. And so I went on, and for those of you who are not tech savvy, there's this app called Yelp, okay, that a lot of us have on our phones. And so I wanted to find a restaurant in the area that had a high rating. And so I found Pita Jungle. Has anyone been to a Pita Jungle? Is awesome, okay? There's not really a jungle, uh, but they do have pita. It was really good. And so it had four and a half stars. The thing about Yelp is you can't just go by the stars. You have to see who's talking about it. 
Because if, 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 you, if someone gives it a one star, you've got to know who that is. So I, no lie, there was one star guy who said, I had to wait three minutes. <laughs> I know. Like, what doesn't take three? You take your own temperature, it's three minutes. Like, every, everything takes, takes at least three minutes. I mean, what, how could you be upset? That's, unless they were trying to give them the Heimlich, okay, and they waited three minutes for that to happen, I would understand one star. But, but, like, but like, I waited three minutes. Like, this guy, what, what's going on, right? Because what happened was his expectations weren't met. We went to... Uh, we went to Joshua Tree, and one of the expectations we had, my son and I have saved up and saved up and saved up, and uh, we did some extra work over the summer because we wanted to buy a drone, okay? Uh, not the kind with missiles, okay? Settle down. You're like, wow, why would you blow up a school? I, it, it's not that type of drone. Uh, and so we wanted to go to Joshua Tree to fly the drone because you, you can fly it like up into the mounds and all around those rocks and stuff. As a matter of fact, this is uh, when we got there on Friday, this is... Uh, yeah, this is some of the footage we took with the drone. Uh, yeah, it's kind of it's cool. So these mountains, uh, the, the peaks that you're looking at right now, were uh, facing um, our campground. And so we were flying it over, and this was great. This was our first flight that we took. And what we wanted to do is have my son climb up this little mountain there, and then I was going to fly the drone up, and so like he could be on the mountain, you know, and you're just like, it would be really, really awesome. And so, uh, and you kind of get a little bit of my personality. I'm just a tad much like a little kid. Okay, now, um, now watch. It's going to go to the left here, and you'll see this white van. See that white van coming? Okay, this is when we launched the missile. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> So I start following this van, like above, because, you know, they don't know. They're, they're in a van. They can't, they can't tell that I'm doing that. And so see how I'm, I'm coming in right here. And, um, so this is what we wanted to do the whole time. We wanted to fly the drone, not follow cars or anything, but get, get like, into some rocks and maybe, like, go through some Joshua trees, you know, and just do, I don't know, cinematography or, or whatever. And then, uh, so watch right here. You'll see the, the van stop, and then you'll watch this person get out of the van. Okay, that's a park ranger, okay? And so we'll stop the video there, but uh, there's our campground. And that's the park ranger. Now, just so you guys know, you leave, you say, I went to church. What did you learn? You learned that you're not allowed to fly drones in a national park, okay? So we, we didn't know that. And they were like, you know, who's got the drone? And I'm like, I don't know. I've got this controller and all this stuff. Like, this is my Xbox. We're, I don't know. I don't even know. It's up right up above her head. You know, all this stuff. So, so our expectations were shattered. Like what else, what else were we going to do in Joshua Tree? Like sit and look at nature? No. No, we were there to fly a drone. Okay. So, so everybody at the camp is like, oh, yeah, too bad. You can't fly the drone. I'm like, too bad. I, I'm going to get in my car and go, go back home. So. They went on this hike, and here, here they go to this, uh, this place. This is a um, uh, lost horse mine, and uh, so we're like, okay, you know, we're walking to this mine, and we think at least we can go inside a cave and maybe find some gold or something like that. We get to the mine, and if you look right here, it's, there's a big fence surrounding it. We can't even go into the mine, right? We can't, like all of our expectations, oh, at least we can go into a mine. No, you can't expectations ruined. So if you notice here real quick, and we'll get to the Bible in just one second. Um, if you see this little circle there, that's a gap in the fence. And what, 
the reason that is there is because when they set the fence up, they thought, well, if some really, you know, diligent people would like to go in the mine, we'll open this little gap so that they can get in there. And there were no signs, by the way, that said you're not allowed to do this. And uh, just in case you missed it, there's a little arrow showing the gap. Well, we couldn't, uh, we couldn't get into the gap because there was somebody there uh, at the mine. So we had to wait for him to leave. So here's what we did. We... Uh, we started to climb. So this mine was in this hill, and we started to climb to the top of this ridge. And uh, we were bummed out. We couldn't fly the drone. We couldn't go into an abandoned uh, illegal mine. We couldn't, uh, you know, it was like the man was holding us down, like all these rules and regulations. And we actually started a conversation about the government. My son's like, why do we have the government? I'm like, uh, well, that's for another series. Okay. Uh, so check this out. We get to the top of this hill, and we look over, and I took a video of a 360-degree of a view of, um, of what we saw when we got up, up there. And um, check that out. And it just keeps going. We would have missed this if we were flying a drone. Oh, you probably would have seen it. We would have seen it from like 500 feet and looked in a little screen, and then we would have downloaded it onto our computer. But we would have missed out on this incredible 360-degree view of the valley if we didn't climb. We had to get out of where our headspace was, which was uh, anti-government, um, and, and, and we had to go to a, another level. This is what this entire series is about. My hope in the next eight weeks is to get us as a church, and again, if you're really new here, we have a saying, which one is it? You can belong before you believe. You can be a part of this journey with us before you believe. We're just going to tell you we want you to believe some stuff because we think when you believe, you'll be changed. So we want you to join us. But I'm hoping at the end of this eight weeks, we will look at church differently, we'll look at our relationship with God differently, and we'll look at each other differently. Because here's the thing. We went to Joshua Tree to experience something. When in fact, if we would have just opened our eyes, just the journey of it all was worth the trip. Just the conversations that we had were worth the trip. Now, whether it's vacation or going to Joshua Tree or visiting your daughter in Arizona, that's fine if your expectations aren't met. But where this becomes incredibly dangerous is when we talk about church that we come to church for an experience. Now, don't get me wrong. It's great to have an experience at church. This is why we did this. We wanted to experience this together. And so, but we'll sometimes confuse what it means to be the church with what it means to go to church. And we'll lose sight by having expectations of what church should be or shouldn't be, what parking should be or shouldn't be, or the music or the sermon or the Bible version or all this kind of stuff. And we will miss out on what it's like to climb together. And so that's my hope for this morning. I, I uh, wrote this down uh, to get us kind of kicked off before we see the scriptures. Being part of a church family is not just an experience. 
Because we take the experience very seriously here. We want to make sure that what is happening on Sunday morning is excellent and that it, it embraces kind of who we are as a church. But it's not just an experience. It's an expedition. It's something we do together. It's how we grow together. Now, some of you are thinking, I don't want to grow with anybody, <laughs> okay? I just wanted to sit here and listen to some music and listen to you ramble on, and then I'm going to go to the Super Bowl. That's fine. That's fine. I would only push back just a little bit to go. The more you can engage, and this is why we're starting those rooted groups, we want everybody to be in one of those groups. If you just go buy the book for $15, it's not going to work. As a matter of fact, we'd ask you not to do that. Uh, You have to have the book in a group. But the reason we want to do that is because we want to challenge you. We want to push you to climb higher. We want to push you to stretch yourself. We want to push you to engage in conversations about God, even when you might not even believe in God. Or or you've been a Christian for 40 years, and you know everything about God, and you have to sit in that group and look at things a different way and listen to other people and grow together. That's what we're looking for. So where do I come up with all this idea that church is not an experience, but it's an expedition? Where does that come from? Well, there's some good news. It comes from Jesus, okay? If you think about um, history, the church, the way we look at church now, uh, didn't really exist in this form thousands of years ago. The church started from one man, Jesus, coming, dying, rising again, and, 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 um, and uh, uh, being resurrected, okay? And so that started a movement of people who believed certain things. And they would gather. As a matter of fact, the word church, ecclesia or ecclesia, means only gathering. It doesn't mean building. It doesn't mean cross. It doesn't mean, it means gathering. That people are going to gather with a certain uh, perspective, a certain journey, they're going to gather together. And that's what we're doing this morning. You actually didn't go to church. You actually are the gathering right now. That's why it's so important why we say every week, it's better when you're here. Because then you are part of the gathering. So, Jesus uh, we're, we're going to look at a section of scripture in Matthew chapter 16. And Jesus has already done a bunch of really cool stuff, okay? He's walked on water. He's fed 5,000 people. He's healed people from leprosy. He's healed a blind person. He's healed somebody who is paralyzed. He's, he's done a, a lot of stuff. But Jesus knows that those experiences... If you're just going to see somebody get healed, if you're just going to uh, see somebody get fed, as a matter of fact, after he feeds the 5,000, there's this great verse in the Bible. You should always read your Bible. Uh, uh, Where he feeds the 5,000, the next day they show up again, and he's like, you're here because I fed 5,000 people yesterday, aren't you? And they're all like, well, I don't know. You know, they feel terrible, but yes, that's why they were there. If that is... The church, experience after experience after experience, we will miss out on some views that we could have if we would just climb and look at it as an expedition. So we're in Matthew chapter 16. Jesus has done a bunch of things, but he knows that if it's just about the healings, if it's just about the teaching, if it's just about this, that the disciples aren't going to last. There needs to be something else that unifies them. And so Matthew 16, uh, starting in verse 13, it says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, and if you were to draw a, a map of Israel, Caesarea Philippi is at the tippy, 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 tipper, 
top, okay? Matter of fact, if you stepped out of Caesarea Philippi and went north one step, you'd be in Lebanon, what's modern-day Lebanon right now. It's right up there. And, and um, Simon Peter's mother-in-law lived in that region called south, uh, but he, that's where he was. He was at the very end. He'd, he'd, been wa- he'd walked all through Israel. And he gets this... Uh, he, he says, he asks his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Now, that's just a term Jesus would use sometimes to reference himself. It was a biblical term. It meant something to them um, that uh, this was somebody of, of God's favor, okay? And so the Son of Man, who do people say the Son of Man is? Here's what they say. Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. Still others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And it's interesting that they mention Jeremiah because here's the climate Jesus is in. And tell me if this sounds familiar. They were, they were occupied. They, they had the Roman occupation. The political landscape was nuts. They had no control. They had no sense of ownership. They felt like no, the people in power were going to make decisions whether you like it or not. Those are the decisions you were going to make. And so this was the climate they were in. Now, Jesus could have done a lot of things. He could have talked about the government. He could have, um, he could have blogged, okay, and like given his opinion on, on the powers that be. He didn't do any of that. And he asked this important question. Who do they say the Son of Man is? They mentioned Jeremiah. Jeremiah was one of the prophets that spoke directly to Israel when they were in captivity. And so there was a lot of language about when is God going to do something with this government or with, this, with my situation. And, and uh, you know, maybe you, they owned land and that was taken away from them or um, they couldn't worship the way they wanted to worship. There was just all this angst and all this uh, turmoil going on. And so they were saying, and, that, and this gives you an idea. Some say John the Baptist. If what's really funny about this, John the Baptist was already dead by this time, okay? So I don't know why someone would think it was John the Baptist. But, uh, and others, one of the prophets. And Jesus asked a really, really important question. And, and, and this question, the way you answer this question, okay, is going to frame how you see what it's like to be part of of the gathering, to be part of the church, to be part of this expedition we call a relationship with Jesus that we go on together. He asked this question, but what about you? What about you? Now, what we say here in church all the time and at Living Spring is that when God asks you a question or when the Bible asks you a question, answer it. Like, like, that, like, like really answer the question. So here's how it would work. If Jesus were here, he would look right into your eyes. I won't do it because you'll get uncomfortable. And he'll go, what about you? What, what about you? And he, he, go, he says this. Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? If I, if I, had, to, if I had to just pick people out, I'd say, David, who do you? you know, Jesus would say, David, who do you say that I am? Rihanna, who do you say that I am? He, he, he would pick he, that He wants us to answer the question. So here's the question I have for you this morning, and it will frame the way you look at your relationship with Jesus. Who do you say he is? Who do you say he is? What, for you personally, what is it like to have a relationship with Jesus? Now, we're in a group this size, we're going to get all, we would get all sorts of different answers. Some of you might say, I don't know, I, I just, thought I'd go to church today. I hadn't really, you know, you're kind of freaking me out now. I, I, I get that. 
Others would say, oh, he's my Lord and Savior. Okay, what does it mean to have a Lord? Like to somebody who lords over you. What does it mean to have a king? Jesus might ask. You might say, he's my friend. Okay, what does it mean to have this friend Jesus? What, what it, here, here's my thing, not to belabor the point. This is so important as we step into what it means to have a relationship with Jesus for us personally and for us as a church. Because here's the thing. If you have a relationship with God for an experience, you're going to miss out on some views that God has for you to reach with us and or uh, with a group, because you'll just be going from experience to experience. So here's what happens. Peter answers the question. He says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Now, uh, again, we've talked about this before, um, but uh, for them, the Messiah meant someone who was going to ride in and drive out Rome, Okay. Like, th- that's what the Messiah meant. So for, so for Peter to add the Son of the living God to that, and rather than just the Messiah, like, when are you going to do your Messiah stuff? So we would look, if, if you look at the current political landscape, and, and our church is probably divided right in the middle. We've got some on the left, some on the right. Actually, they're sitting right here. You guys are all Republicans. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, but... Uh, um, you know, you probably have an idea of who you want in office and you have a certain reason why you want them in office because they'll either be better for the economy or um, their two pays better than the other person or whatever it is that, that you have. You have your, your reasoning. So when they use the term Messiah, this, this would be a big deal. But he says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And watch what Jesus says to him. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, He calls him by where he is right now, okay, by his name, by his identity. It was very, very important um, who who your parents were, who your family was. That was part of your identity. And so he goes right to Peter's identity. Or in this case, he hasn't named him Peter yet. He says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. Or if you have a different version of the Bible, it would say Simon bar Jonah, which just means son of Jonah. Here's what he says. For this was not... Revealed to you by flesh and blood. You did not come to this conclusion on your own. But my Father in heaven. Now, what makes this so extraordinary, okay? And this is, this is hopeful for all of us. Is that this means that the God of the universe revealed something to Peter. The God of the universe had a conversation with Peter, either by putting a thought in his mind or opening his eyes to something. Or maybe as Jesus was walking around and Peter was following him, this, this thought that just came to his mind and said, wow, I wonder if this is the Messiah. And you can just picture our Heavenly Father just going, you're getting there. You got it. Keep going. Keep seeking. Keep searching. Keep walking. You're going to get a view that you'll never experience otherwise. And so Jesus says to him, essentially, um, you're pretty lucky. You know, you, you, this, is, this wasn't revealed to you. You know what I did, I actually? Okay, good. That clock doesn't work back there. We could have gone on for hours, okay? So you just be glad. Just be glad I have my iPhone, have my iPhone with me. As a matter of fact, since I am completely ADD, uh, I'm going to take a picture of you guys. Because this is so much fun. 
think this is awesome. So don't, you can, I, I can bring the drone in too. I've flown it in here before. Don't. That is awesome. Thanks. Hey, put your hand down. Okay, there we go. Awesome. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> Again, visitors are like, wow, is it always like this? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so he says, uh, he says, blessed are you, uh, flesh and blood is not revealed, but my Father in heaven. Now watch this. He changes his identity. He changes his name. Peter is embarking on an expedition. It wasn't just about information. Peter didn't just get the answer right, and Jesus like, great. So glad you, you, you're really good at gathering information. You're going to sit in church every Sunday and get more and more information until you die. It's not that. It's I'm going to change your identity. You're going on an expedition. And he says, I tell you that you are Peter, which basically means rock, Petros. And on this rock, I will build my church. Now, uh, there's confusion sometimes of what scholars, as they look at this particular verse, and they say, on this rock, like on Peter, um, is that the rock? And so um, in some uh, expressions of the faith, they have St. Peter. He's a really important dude. He is an important guy. He's written some books in the Bible as well. Um, but, but here's the thing. What Jesus is talking about, this rock that he's building the gathering on, is Jesus' identity as Messiah, the Son of the living God. That is why we gather. That is why we come to church on Sundays. That's why we get up, get dressed, and get here together under this identity of who Christ is. And again, if you're not there yet in your head, you're just kind of on the journey, that's fine. You can come on us with that. We've all been through this uh, kind of exploring and understanding who Christ is. But he says, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And then the next phrase he says should be so encouraging. And if if something doesn't, and this isn't just a ploy to get you to church here every week, although I love it when you're at church here every week. If the next statement is true, this should be a top priority for us, is to gather in his name. Because here's what he says. And the gates of Hades, and some translations just come flat out and say hell, okay? The gates of hell will not overcome the gathering when we gather in Jesus' name. Now listen to how, listen to how encouraging this really is. Because if you were to look, if I were to just mention words, I'm just going to say a string of words, okay? And don't throw things at me, just, I'm just going to say some words. Election, okay? Abortion immigration, ISIS, okay? I'm just naming stuff that I just looked on the news of top things that we talk about. There's angst and there's, oh, what are we going to do about that? Who's going to be in there? And why do we do this? And all this kind of stuff. The gates of hell (laughs) will not prevail against the church. This means... That you can turn on the news, you can open your newspaper, you can open the Wall Street Journal, you can open up the Atlantic, you can do whatever you want. There is nothing, nothing that this world has to offer you. The job you're worried about, the, the, uh, the kids you're worried about, the relationships you're worried about, there is nothing that can be thrown at you that will overcome what Christ can do in you if you allow him full authority and control of your life. The thing is, we do this together. We do this as the church, as the gathering, because we can't do it alone. 
over the coming weeks, we're going to look at different things. And I'm hoping that in these eight weeks, I can show you and convince you just how important you actually are. That you are not part of a crowd. You're not part of just like, oh, I attend Living Spring. That you are part of the church. You are part of the gathering. You are part of something Jesus is doing right now. And you know what? The gates of hell (laughs) will not overcome it. No matter how bad the news gets, no matter who gets elected, no matter what happens, where the economy goes. Jesus says, Peter, this understanding that I'm the Messiah, that I'm the son of the living God, that I actually don't want to run the world. I want to own it. I want, I want to own every person in there. I want to I help them with their life. I want to forgive them of their sins. That rock, that's what the church is. It's not an experience. It's an expedition that we do together. I want to read just a few other scriptures, and then we're going to do something a little different um, than we do typically when we take communion. Uh, typically, we, we have the communion on the side, and we come up, and whoever wants to can uh, grab communion. They can take it back to their chair, and a lot of people will, will kneel, kneel here. This morning, we're going to take it together. We're going to pass it out, and we're going to hold on to it, and we're going to, as a church, as a gathering, as a group of people who identify uh, of gathering in the name of Jesus, we're going to take communion together. And so we'll do that in a second. But watch how Paul talks about you and I, okay? This is really, uh, really cool. Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, Okay? Like, like you're not outsiders. And again, uh, I can't stress this enough. If you're visiting here and you're like, well, I'm not an insider. I just got here. You can belong before you believe, okay? And so Paul's talking about this idea. Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. This is what the church is. This is what you are as part of the church and what I am as part of the church. Because first and foremost, I'm not a pastor. I'm just a child of God who's just put in a position, right? Now watch what it says. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Can you get the idea that we are part of something that goes back hundreds, thousands of years? So he says, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. You want an I can talk to him. I'll, yeah, I'll talk to him. Hello? This is pastor. Okay, okay, I'm playing around. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. Listen to this. In him, the whole building. Now, we're not talking about the actual building itself. We're talking about the gathering. The whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. I have this one last statement to make. God lives where we gather. (laughs) God is here. Now, theologically, God is everywhere, okay? So we we all know that. You can go to the the store and God is there. You can go to a football game. God's definitely there, and he's (laughs) rooting for Cam. But anyway, um, (laughs) but there's something about the gathering. There's something that happens when we gather. And so um, 
Uh, next week, we're going to start talking about some of the different things and why we're all important and what we can all do to contribute to this presence of God, that God is here when we gather. But the thing I want to do this morning, if the ushers would uh, come forward um, and uh, the worship team can come back up. One of the most important things we can do when we gather, and this is, and for those who are, are listening online or watching online or listening to the podcast, we are so glad that you're part of what we're doing. Um, but if you are not part of a church, we would encourage you to find one, to get to one, because what we're about to do now, taking communion together, is something designed specifically by Christ to have us all partake in, to be this gathering together. And so what's going to happen is Aju is going to play some music, and um, we're going to pass out these, uh, the, the, the cracker and the juice. And if you would just hold on to that, and then when all that's been passed out, I'm going to come back up, and we're going to take communion together as one big gathering. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we, um, we thank you. We thank you that... Even before you left this earth, you were so concerned about the church. You were so concerned about the gathering. You were so concerned about the movement of people who uh, call you Lord and Savior. Some of us have been following you for decades. Some of us all our lives. Others are just kind of stepping on the trail. Maybe our first step is this morning. Maybe just this morning, somebody might say, you know what? I, I think I'd like to have Jesus as my Lord. I'd like to start on this journey, Lord. I just pray that uh, as we are all on this journey together, Lord, as we take communion together, um, that our, the first thing on our minds would be to climb higher, to go deeper with you and with each other. So, Lord, as we um, uh, hang on to this communion elements as we wait for everyone to be served. Lord, I pray that our hearts and our minds will be focused on your sacrifice. In Jesus' name, amen.